Let's dance. <laughs> That's uh, the wonderful new lead pastor, Jeff Lee, has used that topic in the sermons in the last few, three weeks, and I think the imagery is great. Just picture us on this corner, dancing before the Lord in his will, a big chorus of dancers that do his will and bring him glory. What a beautiful imagery that can be. And if we do that well, I think people in the community will really want to come in and become part of that dance. And, and of course, as a, a perfect dance for us would be moving with the Holy Spirit of God, led by him and uh, following him. And that includes our leaders and all of you. And I think that pleases him and we want to carry this out in the future. And this morning, uh, Jeff had requested that I talk a little bit about caring ministries, and many of you know all about it, but some of you don't. And as I talk about it, it's, I'm gonna hold up, of course, the work of the deacons because I oversee them, but that doesn't mean that's not you as well, because this has always been a caring church. And everyone in it, I think, is caring when called upon and some volunteer, and we have lots of caring people. So hear it, not just about this work, but you're part of that great dance of caring ministries in this church. We want to be a caring church. And did you ever wonder why we have so many deacons? We have a lot more deacons than most churches and why there's a full-time staff member that's overseeing uh, caring ministries and the caring of the church. And it's because this church has long ago recognized the power in caring for the congregation and being there for each member and, and them feel valued. Every member should feel valued and loved and have a place in this church. And the foundation and guidance for the caring ministries is found throughout the scripture. And uh, it, we see the loving, caring heart of God right from the beginning in the creation of the world through revelation. And I found it interesting, maybe you've heard this over the years, because uh, I've heard it a few times and it always amazes me. I'll hear people, not believers usually, but people uh, that uh, I'm having a conversation with about this, about God and our faith, and they'll say, you know, I'm sure glad Jesus came because I can't believe in that God in the Old Testament. He scares me. He's vindictive, he's punishing, he rule, gives rules nobody can live up to, he sends his people into exile. I, I just can't trust that kind of God. But I'm so glad that Jesus came because he's loving, he's compassionate, he's caring, and uh, a healing Messiah. And that always takes me back a minute when I hear that. It's almost like they think God had some kind of anger therapy and change between the Old and the New Testament. And I don't know what they think about the Trinity, but, uh, but of course isn't true. This is not true. Throughout scripture, we can hear the heart of God's he loves his people, he's trying to save them, he's trying to guide them, he's given them a mission to change the world. And uh, it's, it's not different when Jesus came. Um, 
and he wants us to care for each other. Isaiah 58 reads, this is the Old Testament, God of the Old Testament. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your, and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Our loving God. And then when Jesus came, he stated in John 13:35, they will know we are Christians by our love. He's talking about believers, the church. I wonder if the world, what they think. Do they think? They recognize us by our love. Sometimes it breaks my heart and yours. I think they look more at our scandals, lack of love. But Jesus said, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And that is our goal here. And non-believers in the early church, if you read history, said about the early church, behold how they love each other. That's what we want here. Jesus also said this, and this is astounding. The greatest commandment, Jesus said the greatest commandment, now he knew all the commandments God gave him, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your entire mind. And a second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said this was the greatest commandment that fulfills all the law. We don't have to worry about the laws or if we're doing things right or wrong, he's saying. We will fulfill them if we love him with all of our heart and our neighbor and each other as ourselves. So that is our aim here. And just imagine what the church around the world would be like if we fulfill those commands of Jesus. And that is our goal here. Peter finally got this truth. You all know this story, but it's interesting because it comes from Jesus' mouth in his final conversations with Peter. We know the story of Peter, and I won't go into it. I mean, he always put his foot in his mouth, and he bragged and said he was going to do all kinds of things. He thought he was a mighty and strong and, and independent man. And, of course, he failed in so many ways, but the greatest failure, I'm sure, in his heart was denying Jesus and Jesus' greatest need. He denied him three times. And I'm sure Peter thought, it's all over. I'm done. I've failed. And Jesus came to him, just like he comes to each of us when we begin to move away and think he doesn't love us. He has ways of coming to us. Well, he came to Peter, and he looked at Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? And Peter said, Lord, I really love you. He told him that three times. And Jesus said, well, if you really love me, feed 10, care for my sheep. And I think we all want that to be said of us, that we are a church 
that loves each other, loves the community, reaches out, tends, tries to feed those around us with the truth of the, the word of God. And it's sad uh, when, uh, when they see our conflict and they see us, and we've had some conflict, but we have overcome it because we love God and we love each other, and uh, we're going to continue. You know, 40 years ago, this church took this very seriously, uh, you know, and uh, they took a courageous step and to become more caring, to emphasize the love and care of the members here more. And they hired me. <laughs> they took a courageous step, I told you. And, uh, and they gave me a, a Sunday school room on the third floor and a telephone and a chair and a desk. So first week I looked around and I kept waiting for the phone to ring and say, oh, Colleen, I need some care. I need some help here. That was a fantasy. <laughs> uh, so I thought, okay, what do I do next? And I thought, well, I should be reaching out, not waiting to be, for somebody to reach into me. So I began to uh, try another approach and got a little team of caregivers that had various skills to meet the needs of whoever I would happen to speak to or would have a need in their lives. And I started to reach out to the congregation for those that I knew were hurting, going through problems, or sick. And at the beginning, you know, changes are hard in the church. I mean, they were used to the senior pastor doing that. And so when I would walk in, they'd say, oh, hi, Colleen, it's nice to see you. And look around me, where's the pastor? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was busy, he sent me. <laughs> that was my standard answer. It wasn't my standard thought, but it was my standard answer. <laughs> and over the years, we developed teams of caring. We tried different things, Stephen's ministry. We tried a ministry out of Texas. We were just looking for a way that felt right here for us to care for the church. And um, so it, we made changes over the years, and it evolved and we have the system that we have today. And the reason we have that, the deacons and flocks, is we wanted to make sure every single member of this church had a deacon, had one person that would reach out and care for them. Because we have multiple services, you know, people don't come every Sunday, so we don't, we don't want anybody to not feel like we care. And so that's why we set up that system for deacons so that they would stay in regular contact with all the members of this church. And so we eventually elected them just like we do elders, ordain them, and they serve three-year terms and they could re-up for another three years and they'd take a year off. And many of them came back because they really found that it was maybe their primary gift or calling. And we have many, many in this church over 40 years that have received that training. And over the years, they've helped keep the congregation during the times of conflicts. Every church has some conflicts, but we've had some here for those who've been here a long time. And the deacons would call and listen to maybe the complaints or the anger and uh, just listen and offer some prayers and support to the person. and. They were taught not to feed the anger, but to really try to care and point to scriptures that might be helpful. And uh, during the times of conflict, they were really 
burned out at the end of their term. But that hasn't happened too many times, thanks God. And they were instrumental when we have to uh, make big decisions, like when we left the PCUSA and went into ECO. Well, they were instrumental in making sure every member of this church understood what we, why we were doing that and why we, some maybe reasons that weren't true of why we were doing that. They did a great job. And again, I want to, I'm holding up the deacons because they're a hidden ministry, uh, except on uh, Caring Ministers Appreciation Sunday, you hear a little bit. But they're behind the scenes doing their work for God. And, but we're a very caring church, as I said, and many of you are in small groups and every small group and you care for each other. So deacons is not the only way we care here, it's just, a safety net that every person has someone they can uh, know that cares for them. And uh, we're, we encourage each of them. We all have different personalities, different way we express our caring, and we uh, do encourage them to do it their way, but to please consistently reach out and show your care. And, and over the years, some of the things they've done, is and maybe it gives you ideas of things you can do. They provided thousands of meals and other services like babysitting, financial assistance, and financial counseling. And some people who are, were never regular attenders became very active because the deacon was calling them and inviting them to church or asking to meet them at coffee hour, which is a good way to get people to come to church, and uh, some have walked in the front door and come up to the office and said, uh, where is so-and-so? And it would be their deacon. They thought they were actually on staff here because of the attention they received. And some have been able to speak at memorial services at the request of the family. So what does uh, uh, the dance of the deacons look like in the church. These are true stories with some changes to protect the innocent and the guilty. <laughs> a family who were members of this church a while back didn't attend, and uh, people join, and for whatever reasons, they, they stop attending. And so this deacon kept calling and dropping by things at the door, and they would never answer the door, but she would kept, kept calling them. And so uh, the person that she was calling called me up one day and said, would you please get that deacon off my back? <laughs> They're making me feel guilty. And I said, well, <laughs> they just want to love you. Come to church. She's doing her job. And you know, she kept at it. I didn't tell her that story because I wanted her to keep at it. <laughs> and uh, that person actually ended up coming with the family to church and was elected as an officer in this church. And so little behind the scene things happen like that. And uh, one story I remember with a deacon, a family that we had here lost part of, there was a fire in their house. And, uh, and it didn't destroy the whole house, but it really, you know what fire and smoke does to a house. And it was Christmas, so sad. So the deacon and I went out to visit, they were a little west of here. And the furniture was all smelly and smoky and and we came on Christmas Day to, to just pray with them and encourage them. And there was no place to sit. So we sat under the Christmas tree. 
and began thanking God that they were well and that everything that they had lost could be replaced. And it w I'll never forget that experience. Uh, and things like that, uh, the deacons want to experience with you and you want to experience if you're a deacon or caring in other ways because there's nothing is so satisfying as feeling like you've made a difference spiritually in someone's life because that's eternal work. That's work we take with us when we die. And many families have been helped here at Christmas, gift cards, food, toys, more food. New Providence might look like an affluent community, and it is in many ways, but there are people living here that are not affluent. And uh, so we try to reach out through the deacons telling me uh, what they've learned and things I know to help them in the ways that we can. And I received a note last Christmas said this, part, a long note, but this is what touched my heart. I did not have to look into the sad eyes of my children Christmas morning and say, sorry, Santa must have missed us this year. How satisfying. And we have seen hospital conversions, forgiveness, comfort given, and near miracles. And we have seen precious people in coma states, really ill, respond after hearing the gospel. And once the deacon and I were standing with a wife and a daughter of a man who had been sick a long time and he lost his uh, vision, and he had that white glaze that you get sometimes when you're blind. And he was dying and we were just standing in there with the family. And at the moment of death, he reached his hands out like this. And his daughter, who was eight years old, said, look, daddy can see again. He's reaching out to Jesus. He can see again. Wow, you never get over that or forget things like that. And I think you probably, we had time or let's tell each other those stories because we want to enhance love and caring here and outside the walls here. So many stories, so much love. One of our role models, if you think about it, in the New Testament is a man named Barnabas, and which means son of encouragement. If you took literally um, the amount of verbiage or written verbiage in the New Testament. Barnabas doesn't take up a lot not of the New Testament like some of the other apostles or, or Paul, but he was really important because he worked in the ways we're talking about for reconciliation, love, encouragement. We, you know, we might not, we might not, I say that, have, we might not have the Gospel of Mark if it hadn't been for Barnabas, because John Mark was a total failure at one time when he went on a mission trip with Paul and Barnabas, and he became, he turned back, and Apostle Paul was very angry at him for abandoning that mission trip. But Barnabas didn't give up on him. In fact, he took him on a mission trip later, to, and it was successful. And he also worked behind the scenes with the Apostle Paul, so that at the end of Paul's life, near when he was in prison, he said, send for John Mark. He is helpful to me. So things like that, just through caring, encouragement, love of each other, we don't know really how, I bet Barnabas didn't know 
how big his life and ministry was, and and to really uh, reinstate John Mark, who wrote our first gospel. Uh, so how does this affect you? You're sitting there hearing all about it. Well, it's, I hope it affects you a lot if you'll receive it. If you're a member here, you have a deacon, and they want to care for you, and one of the things they do, whether you ever respond to them or not, a lot of people respond, some people don't, but all the time they pray for you. They have, I hear from them, they have your names and they pray for every one of the people in their flock. So you get prayed for all the time and because that's the most powerful thing we teach that they can do, regular prayer for the members here. But they'd like to, if they don't know you, you don't know them, they'd like to get to know you better, and they'd welcome a call from you. And uh, uh, maybe you haven't had a need for a deacon, or they'll call, how can I pray for you? What can I do with you? How things are going? But, you know, those little conversations set up the times and the trust and the love for caring when other things happen. So get to know your deacon. Are the people in, also in your Bible studies, in your small groups, you may already be doing that, but actually think about how you can love, we can love each other more, because I don't think anybody can get too much love. Sometimes when deacons say, well, they have a tapestry group, or they have another group caring for them as well, I don't feel so important. How much is too much love? If you've ever been in need and had people respond, how many times did that bug you? We need to love each other in the power of God and encourage each other with scripture and stories and prayer. And we're known to be a caring church. We were rated pretty highly uh, by our last consultant and caring our last consultant here. But we don't want to ever be satisfied because what happened with the early church, we'd love to see happen in this little village, that we would be known by the way we love each other and the way we love our community. And uh, so, and as I've said, uh, we represent Jesus caring. We're not just do-gooders or handholders or nice neighbors. We want to represent Christ in that. And our motto in caring ministries is connecting the congregation to Christ. And I think that's the goal for all of us. When we have conversations and we see each other in whatever ways, or our neighbors. Just pray, God, help me. Help me connect this person with Christ and his love. And, and I think uh, this, this will make our dance stronger here. I believe that we're going to really grow as a church, and wonderful things are going to happen here. But we want to dance well and really cooperate with each other in all our ministries, listen to the Lord, and love each other, because love covers a multitude of sins. And as we get to working together, you're gonna to know my sins, and I'm gonna know yours. But love covers a multitude of sins. And so we can grow, even though we're not perfect. And I'd like to give you just a little bit of homework this week. Whom can you reach out to show Christ caring? Maybe. Maybe in the church you know somebody, but even more daring, outside, just to reach out.
because it may not look at the moment like results happen. But I believe anything we do in the name of Christ, especially love, bears fruit. There are, it softens a heart or prepares someone to really receive Jesus if they don't know him, or if he, they do know him, to come closer to him. And that's all, all of our work here. So reach out this week. And also, just from um, my viewpoint, do you know your deacon? Uh, maybe it's your turn to give them a call. They'd love to hear from you uh, because they do a lot of work, uh, hidden work, and it would be wonderful for you to call and thank them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're a God of love. And even before the world was created, you said the lamb was slain. You provided everything we needed, and you've just asked us to love you and praise you and love each other and follow Jesus. And God, just strengthen us here. Strengthen Caring ministry. Strengthen every group. Strengthen everything we do here in your love and your will that we can become a church that is known in the community by the way we love each other and the way we love our community and reach out into the world. And we know that's your will, Jesus. And we ask you to give us the wisdom and the ways and the power to do it so that we can dance before you with joy, knowing we have given you our all as individuals and as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.